this is the second episode of what is tentatively called the Doctor's Apple. I don't love that name, so we'll see. Um, but this is a uh, podcast on uh, technology uh, with an Apple focus on culture, society, and um, honestly, other miscellaneous things that I just feel like talking about. My name is Dominic. I am a uh, doctor, a pediatric hospitalist in uh, Chicago, Illinois, USA. Um, and this is my second time ever doing something like this. I recently recorded my first ever podcast on Apple's uh, WWDC, and um, you can tell that that was my first episode ever. <laughs> so I'm hoping that this goes a little more smoothly. Um, but I just wanted to basically talk about a few things. Um, won't be a particularly long episode, at least I don't think so. So, uh, let's get started. So the, uh, first thing I wanted to talk about, thoughts of the week, <laughs> um, is, um, a little bit about AI uh, its reception, and uh, specifically as prompted by uh, the recent Google I.O. where they showed off uh, Google Duplex, I believe it is called. Uh, if you haven't seen it or heard about it, but I'm guessing you probably have, but if you haven't, um, this was that technology they demonstrated that um, called hair salons and made appointments and things like that. Um, sounded very human. Um, was a very impressive demo. Uh, they caught a lot of flack, Google did, um, about um, how they, well, a few different areas, but basically how they didn't identify themselves as um, a AI, uh, basically, when they were talking to these people on the phone, who did think that it was a real person. Um, and so I just had some thoughts on that. I, I think everybody's uh, overall thought that this was a, a little bit odd, that we really should be thinking more about, um, I guess, our, uh, you know, our morals or for AI, I guess, or how we're going to use it going forward. Um, I thought, yeah, I guess I basically agree that um, we, you know, they probably should have identified themselves and this was a little, a little odd and, and um, almost feeling like they're tricking people. Um, on the other hand, I'm torn because I feel like, well, what we're going to want if with AI is, you know, basically interacting in such a way as you can't tell that they're AI. Now, however, as I think about this, I, I also think that, um, you know, we're going to want to interact with it like that and to um, f not be able to tell it's AI, but on the other hand, we'll probably always be interact. well, maybe not always, but um, for the foreseeable future, once this technology fully arrives, you're most likely going to be interacting with it in a way that you'll just know you're interacting with AI. Maybe it'll be a computer unit um, or an AI unit, like a robot, but it'll look like a robot. So basically, you'll always know you're interacting with AI, but you want to what I would think our goal would be would be to interact with that AI um, pretty flaw um, yeah pretty flawlessly pretty seamlessly um, as if we were interacting with a human being. So uh, while I, I, I can see the argument for um, being um, thinking that 
they probably should have identified themselves. And it was it's a little bit odd, um, especially since I feel like it was a little overreach uh, by Google um, in the sense that we, and it's not their fault, but we really haven't even thought about how, what, what, how do we want to act when we have AI? And, and what, I mean, we, I feel like we really need to think about these big questions because I mean, I, it, it sounds so futuristic to have full AI and, and maybe it is, maybe it's way in the future, but I, I gotta believe that we're going to get there. And with the way technology moves, I, I do think that it's probably going to be sooner rather than later. So I think now is the time to start talking about um, how we're going to have AI uh, function, how it's going to interact with us. What what are what are what are going to be the principles that rule and guide this? And it sounds like a funny thing to have to talk about it, but I think we really do. So I feel you know Google kind of made a decision to just have it out there, not identifying itself and tricking people. Um, which, um, you know, we're going to, I think we need to talk about it. how do we want it? How, how are we going to have, uh, our interactions with AI? Um, but I don't go so far. I really don't think it was, uh, nefarious. I don't think it was Google trying to, um, do anything. I think, I, I just think that what they wanted to show was they made a technology that was, um, basically passing the Turing test for, um, uh, being for at least with the person on the phone, they couldn't tell it was not in a AI. So, I mean, I think they just wanted to show that. Look at, I mean, you know, there's no way to show that if they would have identified themselves right away or the AI unit, you know, Google Duplex, whatever we want to call it, identifies itself right away. Then there's no way to show that. Oh, look at how good this is. We can trick this person. So. I, I'm sympathetic to Google. I think they did an impressive thing. Like I said, I mean, it was basically, you know, I, who knows if it would have gone on longer, um, if it would continue to pass the Turing test, but in a short glance, it, it did, which is nuts, I think. Um, I guess I, I, I've, I've not dug into this part, but there, I, I've seen some headlines and things like that, that there was some, some thought that maybe this isn't totally truthful, this presentation, but, you know, uh, neither here nor there. What they showed, I think we can still think about um, it in in a way, and um, can still kind of start thinking on these things. So, um, the, I, one other thing I, I come across really often when I hear with these new eh, technologies, and I think it is the laziest argument. I, I don't. It's lazy, and and that argument is, oh, it's creepy. It's creepy. I just, I'm so sick every time new AI, AI comes out. It's creepy. Again, I think very strongly, I believe very strongly that we need to really think about what we're going to do with these, uh, with this technology and the principles behind it. I'm not against that, but um, I just think it's so lazy to call everything like that just creepy. And um, I, you know, I, I don't, um, I don't think it's a good argument. I think, I think that. Um, you know, calling like this Google do is creepy. It's so creepy they didn't identify themselves. Again, I think this is what we want. We want to interact with these AI units um, in such a way that we can't even tell. Um, but again, I think the jury, I, I, the jury's out. And honestly, I lean towards that. I, we need to know we're interacting with them. It's not, that's not so much of an argument, but um, I, I don't think it's creepy that it interacts in such a way that it's um not um all right that in such a way that it seems like it's human and I, I think calling it creepy is it's just a lazy argument i think there's arguments to be made in all these things but you know i think we need to talk about the the argument 
and not just say uh, something as lazy as calling every single time we hear about things like this are creepy, always creepy. I mean, it, you know, I, so I think it's, I, I, for me, I just, I think we need to start just talking really directly about the principles that we need, want for AI. Um, and I, I, the final thing on this, I don't know why this struck so many chords with me. Um, I, I think it was a big story and basically a lot of people were just really talking about it constantly and writing about it. So it stuck out of my mind and I saw, I saw it a lot. So that's probably just why, but I think the last thing is I, I, another argument that I think is very weak is when people, uh, you know, and again, all of this is kind of coming off this Google duplex thing. So, you know, I, I hear the argument, oh, just another thing you really, you can't interact with people. Are we cutting out all interactions with other people? Um, again, I think well, let's stop pretending like calling for a, an appointment at a salon is a high value human interaction. I just, it's not, just because we take out some of these interactions that are like that, if you want to do that and you have the choice, um, I just think that, that that doesn't mean that we're taking human interaction away. It isn't like, well, I, well, you know, I got uh, this Google duplex that calls, does my appointments, uh, calls my mom and listens to her stories. And uh, I mean, come on, like, but it's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about just ridiculous, stupid call. I mean, who the hell likes calling for a salon appointment or a haircut at a barbershop or calling for a reservation? Everybody hates that. I, the people on the other line hate that. Half the time you're taking up their time from what they should be doing, cutting hair or, uh, you know, working as a hostess at the restaurant, getting people in, whatever. I just, it's not a high value interaction, but I'm all for it. Let's get rid of it. All of it, all of them. I can't stand those interactions and I'll keep all my high value interactions that aren't going away. Uh, so those are just some thoughts. Um, you can tell I'm really fired up about it. Uh, that was prompted by Google Duplex. Um, so, um, yeah. So let's move on. I want to talk about something else here. All right. I wanted to do a little uh, app highlight Um I am obviously a nerd, and um, I am a heavy user of my devices. Now, um, as I mentioned at the top, this is or myself. I am uh, Apple-focused. I've got nothing against Android um, or other operating systems for that matter. And I just happened to fall uh, into Apple, and I went ahead and I'm whole hog into it. But um, I, I'm a big uh, paperless guy. love using my uh, iPad Pro. Uh, the larger one, um, and I believe it's second generation there, and I um, just really, I enjoy using it. To me, it just feels so futuristic. I can do pretty much everything I want on it, Now I still have a Mac at home, a Mac desktop. Um, it is a 27-inch 4K or 5K, I don't even remember, but Beautiful. It's it's a wonderful screen and uh, nice big computer, so I'm, I'm not saying that I'm against that, but I do most of the time, I'm either using my iPhone or my iPad. So I just want to talk about one quick app that I think uh, deserves to be talked about. So when I first got the iPad Pro, I also sprung for the Apple Pencil uh, because, again, I'm a nerd and I had to try it. I figured that I wouldn't be using it for real. Um, I mostly type. I like everything digital. So, um, you know, in the back of my head, I thought, oh, I probably won't be using it that much. But, you know, I had I had delusions of grandeur about um, – 
using it and taking notes and all that sort of thing. Um, so probably for the first six months or so that I had the device, it's basically that's what happened. Messed around with it a little bit, thought it was cool, tried to get it into some of my workflows, but honestly, I uh, just couldn't work it in. And so I uh, just kind of laid there, it was around, but I, you know, I knew it was, it was, uh, it was bound to happen, but um, I thought it was an amazing device, but um, I just, you know, I, like I said, I don't really do a whole lot of handwriting. Um, for whatever reason, recently, I came across a great app called uh, GoodNotes. And um, it is basically a, an app where you can just create notebooks and use the Apple Pencil to um, make, uh, take notes in it, draw, whatever. You can pull photos into it. You can make graphs. Um, and it, it's, a, it's a solid app. And I don't know what got me into it. I, I'm, I'm guessing there are some people post uh, – I don't even know how I came across this. But on, on, on Instagram, you know, people post their note pages and pages that they make. And, uh, you know, it's, it's obviously people – you know, being artistic with their notes, which is kind of weird, but it was blowing me away. There was so many, um, I mean, just the fact that they made this on the iPad with the Apple Pencil, I just, I had to try it. So um, I, I'm just blown away by how much this looks like my handwriting. Um, it is, uh, you know, Apple just nailed it with the Apple Pencil, honestly. I mean, we've, I'm sure everyone has used Stylus's Styli in the past. Um, and, it, you know, it's never been good. It's just like sloppy. It doesn't look anything like your handwriting. It's impossible to read. And then the Apple Pencil comes along, and I think they just they nailed it. And um, I think that app matters. Now, the, the Apple Pencil works well in notes, but I feel like I get messier writing in there. With good notes, it, it is amazing. It looks just like my handwriting. Now, there's a few things that I think make it really helpful or just kind of quick tips on it, I guess, to know. One is there is in the top left of the app, um, there is a little, I guess it's a picture all the way on the on the right, you'll see a set of icons and it's the furthest one on the right. I'm sorry, on the left side of the screen, you'll see a set of icons and, and the furthest one to the right um, looks like, I guess, a pad of paper and a pencil. And when you click that, what you get is basically a pop-up on the bottom of the screen that is basically magnified in to the area on the paper that you're writing on, the digital paper, obviously. Um, and so that sounds weird. So you, you can, you write in there and if you are, if you write in this section, it's like this magnified section, it, it just, it's, it's a little bit larger which is, you know, the, the stylus is still not quite as precise as a fine ballpoint pen. So there's a little bit of a, a, I don't know, diameter to the bottom of it. And so it's still hard to get really precise. Or it's not hard to, but you probably are going to write a little bit larger than you're usually used to. Um, and so this magnifying screen allows you to do that. But then what it does is you're writing on a, uh, a little bit bigger size than this magnified screen. But it shrinks it, I mean, a minuscule amount on the actual digital paper and uh, just it looks and it just makes it, it just kind of neatens it up a little bit. And, uh, man, it looks exactly like my handwriting uh, blows me away every time. And I, I'm, I don't know why, but I'm really enjoying using this and taking notes. So when I'm basically taking notes on it, just things I've been reading lately, not like uh, fiction books, but just books on, uh, you know, if I'm reading something on medicine or on fitness or something like that. If I want to keep a few notes on it, I've basically been pulling it up on the iPad Pro uh, side by side in Safari or whatever app I'm using to read right next to Goodreads. So I have them uh, split screen app by app, which is it's awesome on the iPad. Um, and 
um, I just kind of take notes into it and I kind of just, you know, I keep it a little organized on the page and, and there's just something about it that's different than just typing a note of, of paper, uh, or times, excuse me, like typing on, um, like a, an app word processor or whatever, because it's so not freeform, everything just looks the same. So if you're looking for something, you, you can highlight and change text color and things like that. Some of that's kind of tedious, or maybe you have a workflow that works for that, but it can be hard to find things. And when you write it out and, and add a little circles or arrows or little explanations in the margin and stuff like that, when you're looking back through it, there's just something very with that visual nature of it that because everything looks a little bit different and nuanced, your brain is knows what it's looking for, but also it's like recognizing patterns for what you wrote. So it's like, yeah, I could find things easier. I'm finding remember that I'm remembering the data a little easier, um, and so I, I'm just really enjoying it. Um, and so, yeah, it's got, I mean, it's got a bunch of great tools, easy to change color of the pen. You can use different pen sizes, change the, um, size of the, the tip of the pen highlighter. There's an eraser. It's a cool little tool that basically turns your shapes, um, perfect, I guess I would say. So if you draw a circle, obviously it's not going to be a, a great circle or maybe a little, just or one side might look bad or whatever. It just kind of, uh, straightens it. I heard somebody call it a spell check, but for shapes, which I think is a great description, which is basically, it just will turn it into a perfect circle. Or if you draw a square, it'll turn it into a perfect square. If you draw a triangle, perfect triangle. You know, I use it to like underline things. I'll just tap it on real quick and underline it. I'll make a perfect line underneath. So it's just really cool. It's a really well-made app. Um, and I'm really digging it. So I figured I would just uh, talk about it a little bit. Uh, and so that is uh, good, good notes. So great app there. All right. And finally, um, I, in addition to being a nerd and into technology, I am um, really into music. Uh, so I figured I would just pick a track or two at the end of the podcast here that I have been uh, listening to and loving. Um, and not a new track here, um, not new at all, actually, actually hearkening back to 1993, which is a, um, long, long time ago, long time ago now, which is, uh, starting to make me feel old. Now I wasn't that old during that, that time. So, but I don't directly remember this song from this exact year. Um, but, um, a great band, Archers of Loaf, um, Really solid band out of Chapel Hill. Um, and they have a great song called Web in Front. And I think it was a popular song uh, and uh, probably made its way around a little bit. So some may be familiar with it or have come to it in later years because uh, it is just a great song that I am really enjoying right now. And a really um, great driving song. And, um, you know, I just turn that on when I want a little bit of energy. So, um and it just gives me some 90s nostalgia, uh, which I love. I love music from the 90s. I love, I love the 90s. So how basic of me. I know as a millennial from that era, um, at the tail end of the millennials here. So, um, uh, yeah, so really, like I said, uh, 1993 Archers of Loaf, Web in Front, really solid jam. Give it a shot if you like that kind of grungy uh, just 90s jam. And finally, one more song here. Um, I just felt like sticking with Archers of Loaf. What the heck? Um, so this is, uh, one more that you should check out by them if you, if you like, uh, web in front there. Um, it's called Harnessed in Slums. Another really fun, um, just grungy 90s jam. So, um, that's another great one 
here. So um, hearkening way back to the early 90s and hopefully giving everyone a little 90s nostalgia just like me here. Uh, so check that out. So Web in Front and Harnessed in Slums by Archers of Loaf. Some solid songs to check out. All right, that is it. Uh, if you've made it this far, thank you for listening. Um, I am enjoying this. I've been a podcast fan for a long time. I've always kind of wanted to do this and I never have. Uh, so I figured I would just push myself to go ahead and do it and try to do it a little bit consistently here. So, um, if you enjoyed it, awesome. If not, then I'm sorry. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, but I hope this episode was better than the last and maybe, uh, every episode a little better after this. So, um, keep your ears out for it. And, um, there is, uh, I'm on anchor right now, um, as a platform, uh, distributes it out to the pod, uh, various pod catchers, but anchor, it's a cool app. Uh, it's on the, uh, um, iPhone, iOS. I'm honestly not really sure about Android. Um, and, um, it's a great app. So I'm there now. And so there's a way on here to uh, send in voice messages and questions, things like that. So feel free if anybody out there is listening. Um, but otherwise, I enjoyed this and um, I hope it was not too bad. So thank you. Until next time.